Hi, it's David Aber with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. On today's show, we are going to talk about the profound shift towards accommodation and convenience and not just what's delivered to you at your front door, but how do we get what we want when we want it delivered to us, even if we're crunched for time at the airport. I'm talking to acclaimed entrepreneur, big idea guy, PJ Mastrocchio. His visionary company is at your gate, an idea whose time has come. Back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. Hey, friends. Cool show today. You know, listen, we talk a lot about all the change that happened during COVID. And of course, you may be listening to this and watching the video at some other time. But so much of the changes have have surrounded accommodation, right? If we're locked down, what did we learn that we could have delivered to our door? And the answer, of course, is pretty much everything. And many of those things can be delivered same day overnight. But food is one of those things I know, because my my Postmates and Uber Eats bill and everything is tremendous, because we have teenage boys, who apparently need to order everything my phone my phone rings no my my front door the doorbell rings constantly like nobody ever came to the door before it's constant and now it's either amazon deliveries for my wife or uh deliveries of food for my kids but what we're also learning is that our expectations have changed for accommodation and access and real-time kind of everything through our app and otherwise it's big data it's ai it's all the above but the guy I'm talking to today had this vision for a company, and I think you can say he was ahead of his time, him and his partners. He was prescient, if you want to look up that word. Um, but he created At Your Gate. And I met him, actually, when I was presenting for an airport experience conference early in 2020, very shortly before the lockdown, before COVID hit, everything else. And he was already two years into this thing. And for those who might have been naysayers or doubtful early on, are uh, are eating their words because he uh, I think it's clearly shown that he was ahead of his time. So enough of an introduction, a quick welcome to PJ Mastrocchio. PJ, what's up? How are you? Thanks for having me, David. Really Absolutely. Cool hey, listen, so, so tell us a little bit more about the genesis for all of this, because I think for our audience, for the business owners, entrepreneurs, and others, as we are looking at becoming more aligned with our customers' changing expectations, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. For many companies, it's about how do we uh, how do we revise, how do we tweak the model. You started from scratch. Talk to me a little bit about about the genesis of the idea and the arduous journey that you've had with your partners since then. Yeah, the idea came to me as as uh, most ideas do when you're having a bad time. And I traveled extensively for business and pleasure. And, you know, I had the same three problems every time, David. I got to the airport at six in the morning and the Starbucks line was out the door or yep. I had a 40 minute connection and had no time to do anything other than make my flight or land at 10 o'clock at night and the doors are rolled down and everything's closed. And so, you know, we set out on a mission six years ago to um, build an app to deliver food and retail to travelers in an airport and um, sounds simple on its surface, but there are many levels to get through um, to get to where we are today. And it took us almost three years, uh, 1,030 days, not that I counted um, from idea to first <laughs> delivery. So it's quite a journey and uh, it takes a great team to do that. And, uh, 
you know, we, we, we spent a tremendous amount of time pre-launch, which I think a lot of companies don't do. They have a great idea. They rush to market um, and they fail miserably. And so for us, we took our time to really learn how to do this. And, and it certainly paid off for us uh, here and now more than ever. Well, but talk to me a little bit more about just the mindset of have, of getting this sold. I mean, today clearly we're we have. I, I think that what COVID has done, I think if 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 nothing else, and it did a lot of things, was accelerate what had long been prognosticated about how we're going to do business, how we're going to access information and services, and otherwise, um, that has accelerated, has become much more the norm and very acceptable. But it was not when you first started talking about this, um, what was some of the resistance that you, uh, that you encountered? What was some of the, some of the objectives or uh, uh, objections that, that you faced early on in this? Sure, I mean, it starts with the ability to deliver, right? And so in an airport, you have many layers of, of businesses to get through and then you have security issues. And so a lot of people were concerned that an airport was gonna give some people the right to wear bright uniforms and run around and bring food in and out of security checkpoints and in and out of the ramp and secure areas. So, right. you know, the airport is, is, is an extremely secure place, as you know, as a traveler, and there are other secure areas that you don't get to see as a traveler. So it was really a challenge for us to get an airport to say, yes, you can have this app um, and, and have your people run around. The second level of that challenge were the concession operators. They were very hesitant to allow us to touch their food. And it took a long time for us to convince them and a lot of sweat equity. We had to go and buy food, take its temperature, put it in the thermal bag, take it out 10 minutes later, check its temperature again. We looked like lunatics in the food court, but we put a lot of sweat equity and we were able to go to the concession operators and say, look, we bought a pizza from you at 1 p.m. And at 1.30 p.m., it was still six degrees less than when we got it from you. And so ensuring the food quality was there and all these little steps, we really had to go through it. And, you know, San Diego Airport was the first airport to say yes. They have an innovation lab there. And so Rick Belliotti- How, how many of them said there, no before the first one said 49 yes? 49 out of 50. Yeah, yeah. But see, <laughs> yeah. isn't that the myth of the entrepreneur that's the e-myth right michael yeah. gerber it's, it's the, the myth of the entrepreneur who's who's on the cliffside and the and the wind blowing through their hairs and their trench coat and it's no it's not noble it's it's a grind isn't it no it's a grind and you that's know, a lot of no's before that first yes we had a lot of no's and and they all said the same thing david which gave us some confidence which was this sounds like a great idea go figure it out in some other airport. They just right. don't, you know, airports are not risk takers. They have to get people safely from A to B. That's what their concern is. Everything else is a nice to have for them. What was and different so about San Diego? Uh, innovation Lab. Uh, they had an innovation lab. They were looking to incubate companies that could make the travel experience better, safer, uh, et cetera. And so we applied to that. And we had gone through Plug and Play in Silicon Valley, which is an accelerator that is extremely prestigious. So we had some uh, knowledge of what an accelerator and an incubator could do for us. Um, but San Diego had that vision that, hey, if, if they're going to fail, they're going to fail after trying for a year. They weren't going to let us fall on our face. And the other thing about San Diego is we, we know now with all of our airport partners, you need a partner that wants you to succeed in any to get this done and this is right. no different and so san diego is willing to put the sweat equity into it and that really put us on the map and look david they had the biggest airport convention a triple ae was in san diego three months after we launched so all those airports that, that said no saw our people zipping around the airport and then they all became fans and the rest was kind of history so um san diego was, was very very fortuitous for us uh, from a business development standpoint you, um when, when you think about sort of the early days how did you recognize that there was a critical mass of 
pent up potential demand for a service like that. Listen, there's no shortage of entrepreneurs who come up with an idea. They think they've created the cure for cancer that tastes like chocolate, um, only to find out that they've created a solution looking for a problem. When you're first in, in a category, that takes a lot of fortitude to, uh, to believe in your concept enough, not just to know that it will work from a logistical perspective, that'll work from a, a profitability and, and, and a cash flow perspective, but how do you know that there's demand? I mean, you got to go all in on this one. Yeah, I mean, we did listen, We did a lot of market research and we asked a bunch of questions from travelers. Would you pay for the service? Would you use the service? And the response we got was overwhelming yes. And we had people said they pay between five and 10 bucks. They wait 30 to 40 minutes. They like the opera. They like the four C's, the choice, the convenience, the control and the concierge. So we did the research. Um, and look, it's no secret that an airport, even in these times, a million people flew yesterday. It's not 2 million, but it's not 10. So, you right. know, there's still a lot of people there. And one, one of the things we found that we didn't know going in, and I'll say this to any entrepreneur, you know, you think your product's going to work for this market, but be prepared for it to work for others. And the airport employees and the flight crews are huge customers of ours, pre right. and post pandemic, because they get limited breaks and, and the pilots get limited choice. They land in the same terminals. It's the same restaurants. Now they can have meals brought across. The pandemic has brought us from interesting to essential, right? And so we now become an essential business from an interesting, neat company to an essential service with contactless payment, ordering, and delivering. And so now the airlines are hiring us to feed their flight crews. There's no food on these planes. And so a lot of the vision that we had for this company changed after we launched. And that's part of being an entrepreneur is being able to kind of go with the flow. And when we found this employee audience and we found this flight crew audience and we found the TSA and the customs folks who sometimes get slammed with three flights and can't leave, all those audiences we found post-launch and we were very receptive and open to it. And it starts with getting involved. And all of the founders made the first 20,000 deliveries. Dave, Chris, Tony, and I lived in a one bedroom, one bath apartment. It smelled awful. You got a bunch of 40 and 50 year old dudes sleeping on top of each other, but we put it in ourselves and we figured out what made it work. And then our team built on that. But that's the part that's really fascinating to me. I mean, listen, we understand that sort of the journey of the entrepreneur and you're grinding it out. And listen, I know enough about your journey that you were doing, you were walking 20 miles a day doing these deliveries. It's, I mean, there's a lot of people, my son among them and his buddies, they want to be entrepreneurs. I love it. I want to encourage that. But they have this vision. They, they love the end. Um, they don't know what it takes to get there. And so there's a romance around it, but it really is tough. And I know a lot of that journey. But I want to talk about the pivot that you just alluded to very quickly. Um, I know you've told this story a lot of times in your pitches and everything else. You want a huge pitch contest through the Wharton School of Business and others as well. But even your initial vision, which was much more of a concierge kind of a thing, it really is kind of a special thing that to, to gain mass acceptance is a challenge. Well, it's not anymore because, of course, we've already learned through our lives of COVID and everything at home that this kind of a service is broad. But you had to pivot in terms of who your anticipated audience was, the change that have happened because of COVID. Now, not only is, would it be a nice thing to be able to grab a bike, because I was, I was slated to do 140,000 miles this year, you know, before COVID hit. So I'm traveling around the world, 24 countries. I am running between trying to get things. There's a big line. I see the need. Well, now, when there's no food on the plane, in most cases, <clears throat> being able to grab something is essential. And so being able to do it, talk to me about the shift and then it went to this and then we discovered this. How different is the model today than six, seven years ago when you envisioned this? You know, the model is the same. It's the messaging now is different. You know, David, I think the model is still, you know, use your own device to order and pay. 
for food and retail anywhere inside the airport. That hasn't changed. What has changed is the the, the need to now use your own right. device to order and pay. And so the, the 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 shift came more in the messaging than the product. Where before COVID, it was like it was cool. You could get stuff. You could get headphones. Anything you wanted delivered. Now it's hey, find a safe spot. Use your own device so you don't have to touch cash or pin pads, right? Avoid the food court and then receive a contactless delivery anywhere inside the airport. And we'll put it on the empty seat next to you that's crossed off, right? Or we'll put it on your desk in the break room or we'll bring it down the jet bridge for the flight crew. The messaging has changed. The, the need for this service has also increased because as you alluded to, right. you know, my mother who's never used Amazon before has Amazon Fresh and Whole Foods and everything delivered to her and she's 75 years old, right? That's no different inside the airport. And so when passengers realize, wow, not only the benefit is I can get something from another terminal, the benefit is now I don't have to walk around other people. I don't have to stand in line and I can just use my own phone. And so we just took the concept that we built in the market and I don't want to say change the messaging, the messaging changed for us. We became safety. And, um, and so that's been a unique challenge for us. And it started in March when, when, when this whole thing started to shut down. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't in a corner cowering, but it was as close as I've oh. ever come in to saying, oh, shit, a, a, right? And so, a, a lot of people in the fetal position under their desk. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Time, that's the time to call on your team, right? And then what, what I've learned post-college and my education has been a diverse team it moves way faster than a team that thinks alike because everyone's got ideas from different angles and you all have the same goal. And so, you know, we call a, a daily hour call with everyone when there was nothing going on just to talk to our team. What's going on? What are you hearing? And then David, I'd say end of March, beginning of April, the concession operator started calling us and that's when the light bulb went on. They said, Hey, are you guys going to be okay? And we're like, yeah, we're going to be fine. Why? And they said, look, we had to close half our restaurants and there's still employees in this airport that are unloading this PPE off the planes that need to eat. And so we became essential workers having placards to drive around in April to airports, right? And folks were bringing the food underneath to the employees. We helped keep those restaurants open. And then the airlines started calling us. And as a, as a CEO and as a salesperson at heart, right? I was trying for years to get the airlines to call us. They started reaching out to us Hey, United Airlines sits us an email on our website. Hey, can you call us? I'm like, are you kidding me? I've been trying to call you for five years. Right. But the airlines saw the need for their travelers, right? That don't have food. I just flew yesterday from JFK back to Miami and they hand you a Ziploc. God bless them. They can give me anything. But it's got a bottle of water, some biscotti cookies and a hand sanitizer. And that's the only time you see them unless they're picking up trash from people wiping stuff down on the planes. And so not only do we as travelers suffer, the flight crews don't have meals. And so these airlines are now recognizing, hey, at your gate, can you bring duty meals to our flight crews? Six, seven, eight at a time, six, 700 a week per airport, right? Then you dig down into the employees under the ramp, right? That don't want to leave the break room and wander around. They got their temperature taken. So we had to understand what the need was in the market. And our pivot was more on messaging than it was on product. Our product hasn't changed. We've added robotics and things like that, but our product is still app order deliver. I want to talk about that robotics. So, so hang on the line. We're talking to PJ Mastracchio from At Your Gate. Um, but when you talk about sort of the pivot of messaging, but, it, but it's more than just um, recognizing what's essential. I think on the front end, weren't you looking, the challenge was, was persuasion and acceptance. It's something that people hadn't seen before. And now it's more about just visibility and awareness, right? And promotion for people I think have yet to have, but to understand that this exists and they're going to be all over it. Right. And, and as far as depending on when you're watching or listening to this, as, as travel begins to ramp up again in a big way, um, it's making sure that people know that this is available. Talk to me about the process of, of gaining acceptance, getting the app on people's phones. Um, and the app is called at your gate with the at symbol. 
Um, but but do they do they order before? Do they order from the plane? Um, how do we do it in a way that that you create some? I mean, once they do it, then they do it, right? But yeah. you got to get that yeah. that initial acceptance and, and the download of the app. Yeah, and that's always been our challenge is that we have a very small window now, and we're obviously building on the marketing. But you know, prior to all this, we have a really small window, David, to capture that traveler because we capture them mostly when they're sitting at the gate, they're they're tucked in, and they see a sign, and that sign says Jersey Mike's, you know, Shake Shack, order and have it delivered, right? And so prior to all this, our messaging has really kind of been guerrilla marketing in the airport. Our people walking around, talking and promoting at gates, um, signage in break rooms, signage in the airport. That that is changing now and there's a paradigm shift to partnerships right and so being able to access travelers through the airlines is huge for us and so having sky miles members and advantage members receive emails from american and delta saying hey david it looks like you're flying out of boston today use code this to get five dollars off your first delivery that that's how we bring this brand we need to get travelers to know about this before they leave the airport you know we re recently launched a new version of our app that we took control in-house prior to covid we were licensing a third-party technology we realized that we don't want to have our eggs in someone else's basket during a pandemic so yeah. we actually um, uh, acquired a company brought the tech in the house and now we're building out the pre-order function and so prior to covid pilots would order in the air they know when the nose is going to hit the bridge faster than anybody right they're driving the damn thing so pilots pre-order i mean that's a there'll be a big function of us when we relaunch that but getting the customers to know about it goes through partnerships whether it's the airline um or or third-party partners like mcdonald's right is a huge customer of ours launching some um, marketing materials in the 13 mcdonald's in minneapolis st paul around hey you can get this delivered in an airport too um so partnerships are really a way for us to grow our business even external partners rideshare companies things like that talking to them about how we connect that traveler once they get to the airport and so you know as a team we are now in the midst of all these partnership discussions Again, airlines are the most important and getting an airline to put our name next to theirs gives it a credibility that we couldn't ask for from anything else, right? If Delta or United or American says uses service for their partners, it's as, it's as good as you can ask for as an entrepreneur. So talk about your reach right now. How many airports are you in? What are the conversations and how much easier is it to, uh, to forge that initial relationship and conversation than it was five years ago? Well, it's much easier now, um, A, because we've done it and we're not just going, look, this is a bird. Like It's, <clears throat> right, it's not theoretical um, at this point. Exactly. Right. You know, so we're in 12 airports today. We'll be in our 13th on Monday. Tampa uh, opens up just in time for Super Bowl. So if you're listening to this before the Super Bowl, we'll be there. Um, and then we're going to launch another 16 airports or 17 airports by June. Um, can't mention wow. anybody name just yet. but so you're going to more than double in the, next, in the next six months. We are. We're open in an airport every two weeks right now, David. So it's it's the growth has has been exponential. Um, and so I won't say it's easier because no one's cutting corners. These are still government and municipality run. But you know, since since the essential nature of this business, the conversation went from kind of neat to we'll talk to you later than to how quick can we get you in here and right. so you know our goal now is to open like i said open as many airports as we can so when travel comes back we're ready for it you know you don't want to be opening airports when travel's busy we've done it it's not it's not it's, i'd much rather open them when they're quiet now so when travel comes back we have sure. every kink worked out so it's been advantageous in that standpoint but yeah we're going to double in size um by the summertime and then we also have international uh plans that'll be rolling out here uh, second quarter this year um, not privy to speak to where yet, but there's some countries that we are in active conversations to license the technology where they'll provide the labor, will provide the tech, and that gives us a tremendous international reach. 
Right. Oh, I, I can see it, it growing internationally very, very quickly as well. Um, you know, who would have thought, you know, as people talk about sort of the overnight success, um, would you recognize on the front end, right, what it what it takes to to grind it out on the in the early days? But who would have thought that it would be a pandemic and, and robots that would all of a sudden um, garner the attention of the national news media, things going viral. Uh, you and I met over a year ago, or about a year ago, yeah. and um, and then I just see it on TV with the uh, the robots following people around. Tell us more yeah. about that, how that came about, and um, and how much of that. Here's a more uh, an interesting question as a sidebar: How much of that do you see continuing once a pandemic is less of a concern? I, so the robots came about, uh, Piaggio Fast Forward is the parent company. They actually make the Vespa scooter um, over in Italy. So it's Piaggio Group. Uh, they actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. I get a, a, a dozens and dozens of them. Most of them are lunatics, but every once in a while you get something cool. And uh, no, they reached out to me and said that they had, that they had selected us uh, and they wanted to be interested in doing a pilot program. And so spent about four to six weeks with them, understanding the technology. And again, airports are very risk averse. So when you're bringing something else in that could knock someone down or, you know, take out somebody, um, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but again, thankfully we have great relationships with our airport partners. And so uh, Jita is the name of the unit. It's semi-autonomous. So it follows our folks around. It does not move on its own. And I like that to start because our people are extremely important to our brand. You know, you have a 76 sure. net promoter score, you're doing something right. right? You know <laughs> that more than anything. Yeah. And so the units follow our people around and they really serve three purposes, you know, and the first purpose again on messaging is safety. You know, people can now receive a contactless delivery where they can literally open a robot, take their food out and it wheels away with our people. And so there's some theater to that, but there's also some coolness to that where they like it. Um, I just used the unit this week at JFK for the first time. And I can tell you that the PR aspect of this is off the Oh charts. yeah. Everybody wants to know what it is, what's at your gate, our logos on the unit. Uh, you know, it's two by two by two and it's it's wheeled. It follows our people by three feet behind. So from a PR standpoint, you can ask for it. It's a rolling billboard and it has Bluetooth speakers. So Lisa was playing uh, New York State of Mind by Billy Joel just walking around the airport yesterday. And so that's cool. And then the third component is efficiency. You know, when we have major delayed flights called IROPS and an airline asks us to bring 100 meals or 120 meals over to a gate that takes three or four people. Now it takes one person and three GT units. They can follow each other like ducklings. So we're going to start piling this in Terminal 4 at JFK um, and the, the, the other airports were in Minneapolis, San Diego, and then we got one going to Denver. But you think about the efficiency just from a labor standpoint, if you're paying employees 15 bucks an hour and you need four of them, that cost you 60 bucks an hour. Well, I got one and three robots. I'm still paying 15. So right. You know, and once again, the, the PR people. aspect of that too, right? That's from an experiential. But let, but let let me clarify because you you said this enough times that you say it very very quickly for our listeners and our viewers as well. So is the the delivery person, the staff member? What do you call them? Um, the brand ambassador. Brand ambassadors wearing the blue polo and the logo and everything else. Are they wearing like a proximity sensor? And so this is literally following them. Like a uh, like a duckling. How does that? And yeah, is the person actually, clearing the space for them as they walk? How does it work? So it actually recognizes an image. Um, so it takes an, a digital image of you. There's several cameras all around the, the unit to keep it away from things and people. Right. So it actually takes a takes a, a physical image of you and then follows you around. Um, and or it so takes a physical image of your butt. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and pretty so, much. Yeah. But, well, you stand in front of it and press a button like R2-D2, you kind of bend down and then it recognizes you and then you just turn around and walk with it. Um, and so again, you know, we're that still working so out cool. some of the, 
Yeah, we're still working out some of the, the some of the use cases sure. for it, but uh, it's really really cool. I took it on the people mover the other day, so it can go up and down on the on the ramps and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's great. It's great for our business, and it's really cool. And the technology is evolving quickly. Was the um, the the genesis for this and the justification for it the whole contactless delivery? Um, or did you recognize early on there was a great opportunity from a visibility and a PR standpoint as well? Well, I think we always knew the visibility and PR standpoint was there, but having an opportunity to get someone to say yes because of the contactless nature is important, as you know. And so, and, and airports are, are extremely interesting. You know, there's a joke in our industry. Once you've seen one airport, you've seen one airport, right? They're yeah. all different. All different. But, but once one airport does something and doesn't like, take out a whole family they're usually willing to do it too and so again san diego i went to them first and i said rick i got something cool what do you think and they took they, they made sure that they saw it first and we explained it to them and now it's rolling all over san diego and so you know having an, an airport say yes is tantamount to getting the other ones to say yes also sure. and again they're all different but that was a, you have to sell it and, and we did and that's really cool and that they're partners with us and they like it yeah, I'll tell you, you need to have your your ambassadors to walk around with a selfie stick and just a little sign that says, take a selfie with with the robot and you're going to get 100,000 people spreading it out on their social media as well. Anyway, there, we had a guy order yesterday uh, twice because he didn't get a good video of the robot the first time. So he literally yeah, ordered food. Go. We made the delivery and he didn't know the robot was coming, thought it was so cool that like 20 minutes later, the same guy ordered and he just wanted to take a picture of the robot. So yeah, I think it's, it's neat. It's really cool. And uh, I got to run around with it. And um, I, I found pictures of me and videos of me on Instagram that were tagged in JFK of me running around with the robot. So yeah. it's kind of cool. They, well, uh, that's, but like that's it. the old, that's the old hub and spoke model as well, right? As, as you get other people, encourage people to do it. I was at a restaurant um, when things sort of opened up for a while before they shut down again. And they put selfie sticks, collapsed selfie sticks on every single table. And basically saying, if you're having fun, share it with everybody else, right? <laughs> we grew up, you and I grew up in a time when you go to the uh, the pizza place or the ice cream parlor, and there would be that cork bulletin board with all the, yeah. uh, you know, with the Polaroids of your yeah. of your team or whatever else. Well, that bulletin board today is Instagram, yeah. right? And it's yeah. TikTok and all those things as well. And I could absolutely see people taking selfies, taking pictures of that and spreading it and becoming your brand ambassadors as part of that as well. Um, I want to take it back for a second because I think one of the things I found really interesting, of course, when you hear the idea and there's this growing um, and certainly um, expanded acceptance of this concierge kind of service that we've all come to expect in our private life to be able to have that while traveling is phenomenal. I think it's, it, it bodes very well for the brand, for the, for the concept. But, but we always think about things from a consumer perspective. And once again, for our entrepreneur listeners and, and viewers as well, looking at an alternative audience, who else with money needs what we have? And looking at flight crew and, and airport staff and security and all of those as well, was that an early thought or was that a later epiphany for you? That was a find, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't anything we really understood. When we launched in San Diego, one of the requirements at San Diego Airport uh, put on us was to launch in one terminal with employees only, okay? And the thought was, if you miss an employee, you can find them, hand them a 20 and say, please don't trash us, try us again. We're just trying to learn, right? And so when we launched with employees in San Diego, we learned very quickly from them that here's how you use this. You order 30 minutes before your break, we show up in the break room, you punch out and you now have a full 30 minutes in a hot plate of Panda Express. So we did not see that audience at all of the employees. The flight crews we knew because I'd flown hundreds of thousands of miles like you, we know sure. these folks are time crunched. 
but the employees, the baggage folks, the TSA, and when I say employees, everyone who's not a flight crew or, or a traveler to me is employee in the airport, but that's TSA customs. Um, you know, there's so there's a city underneath these airports, David, that most travelers don't see. And, you know, the airports have daycare centers and grocery stores under, I mean, there's some big time stuff going on down there. And so there's a whole built in audience that's there every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day in most airports. And so the employee base is massive for us. And they're, they're coworkers with our people. They see them every day. Lisa and you know Mary Kate and Mike and all these folks that are in our airports every day see the same people. So we become coworkers right. that bring them food. And so we did not. I wish I could tell you that we saw the employees coming. But again, a great company learns their audience and they're great customers and and they're and they're they use the app five times as much as a traveler. You know, because they're just there 340 days a year and some of them work two shifts there, David. So you think about someone who works for Delta and then works for Swissport, they, they, they don't get a break between. So they literally order between us during jobs. Even the people that work in the, the retailers, you know, Sunglass Hut's a huge customer, right? Because they're sure. stuck in their restaurant or their store. And so I wish I could say we knew it, but the, we, we did learn from that. And now when we lo- open new airports... We teach the employees how to use this. Hey, here's how you use this. You should order ahead of time, right? So we're able to go in and teach the folks how to do it. There's a lot of teaching we need to do when we launch an airport and understanding each audience as an individual group is important to succeeding with them. Right, and that was a process, the whole thing. So, so along those lines, tell me your biggest, your biggest aha moments, your biggest lessons, the things that you did not expect that um, in recognizing those and accommodating those and shifting your model has, has put you on a better path toward success? What were the biggest unexpected aha moments? COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's so obvious, but that was a, that was a moment where, where I knew that, that a couple things I think we learned from it. Obviously, the essential nature put aside, you know, the aha moment with COVID for me was we finally we're at the table with the adults on the holiday. We weren't at the kids' table anymore. We were at as a peer with the airlines, as a Good peer analogy. with the airports. Yeah. And we felt we felt we I don't want to say ever felt disrespected, but we felt we were really taken seriously when when the phone oh, calls how cute. come oh, in. Yeah, right? how cute. Yeah. What a what a, what a Wait, cute neat. idea. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, oh my God, everything is delivery. Help us. And so that was and again so obvious the answer for, for me, but that's really was the big aha. Sure, going back, there were some ahas when plug and play didn't kick us out when we snuck into one of their events five years ago and said, huh, stick around. That was a huge aha moment because those guys found Google and, and PayPal and, and Zeus and Soundhound. They're, they're, they're the best of the best. But the big moment for us was getting a seat at the table now and being when when a, when a when the concessions call when the airline calls you and says what restaurants are going to be open can you help us figure out like we we be kind of became the middleman where we were talking to the airlines talking to the airports talking to the concessions and every, we were the ones who knew everything you know when the when the concession yep. said to us what's what's X Y Z airline I say well their load factor sixty percent next month I could tell the concession so and so is going to be flying more so we became grown ups during this process because of COVID and that's part of being a startup as you go from a startup to a scale up to a business and I feel like we're graduating into the business part of things now where it's not oh wow this is cool it's when can you start and how can we help you succeed and that's really important to our business so that's that was the big moment was we became adults here. Yeah, well, and there's there's the pull quote right there to throw on the show notes. Um, pull out the crystal ball. Uh, clearly, COVID will be handled at some point. We don't know what else. I think one of the other big lessons for a lot of businesses is how vulnerable that we are 
whether it's from a cash flow perspective, whether it's it's when chaos theory, right? When everything goes awry, do you still have a viable model? And what do you need to do to make sure that you do, right? Tell me your what before we we, we wrap up here. Give me your big aha moment about about the customer, about what it is that we've learned that that we that we really like, that we really appreciate, that we didn't know we were going to like this solution for a problem we didn't know that we had. What what was affirming for you? And what was revealing for you? I think what the customer aha moment was, I always knew business travelers would use this service, right? Because I was a business traveler, still am. Um, right. The aha moment for me was when Chris and I launched Newark Airport together, the two of us. They asked us to open in like three weeks, so we did. Um, I was running uh, three orders to the same family of three different restaurants. And it was like burger, salad, and sushi from three places. And they paid $15, $5 for each order. And on top face, of the cost of the food. Correct. Because if we okay. charge $5 for delivery, but sure. you can only order from one restaurant at a time. And right. So they literally ordered from three restaurants. It was a husband and wife young and their two young kids. And when I turned the corner with the bag of food, the smile and the, the surprise on their face. And again, this is going back when we first launched in Newark. Sure. And the sheer delight, what they were like, like, oh my God, this just happened. And, and you get it. You've traveled with your kids. If you're plugged oh, in right. and they're on their device and they're quiet, that's heaven for you when you travel, right? And so I just realized these people will pay $15 for me to bring the dad wanted sushi or the burger, the mom wanted sushi, the kids wanted something. They all got what they wanted. They didn't have to settle. And so watching this, and now I've seen it tens of thousands of times over these you know hundreds of thousands of orders we've done, that there that was the aha moment. Like not only do people like this service, but it takes their blood pressure down a little. It does everything right. we thought it would do. I started this company with my team because it was my problem. I hated not eating and I hated being in the last row, getting whatever they had left, if anything, on any flight. And I wanted control over what I ate. But when I saw that people not only would pay for this, that it truly made them enjoy their travel experience just a little more. Um, I always used to joke and say, at your gates can help your travel suck just a little less. Right? Yeah. But it's kind of the truth, right? We it don't make your truth. day. But when people take a selfie with you, I mean, I had people asking me, oh my God, give, here's a tip. I say, no, 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 I'm one of the founders. Oh my God, can I take a picture with you? That kind of aha moment where people thought they liked this, it's all about the customer experience. And when you make someone smile, even under a mask, you can still see their eyes squint a little. That's part of our journey. And that's why our net promoter score is what it is because we put not only the customer first, but our people are great at what they do. And we know that that helps you when we show up at the gate, we're like, oh, David, oh my God, you're going to Cabo. It's going to be so fun. Like we don't just stop, drop and roll, right? There's an engagement. So that aha moment was the pleasure I saw on the customer's face to making those deliveries. And that's what we wow. continue to do. Yeah, well, you know, it, it travels not just arduous or, or, or a hassle, but it can be arduous as well, especially for those of us who have kids. My kids are older now, but it's different today even than it was before because it's not just the kids who are bored or hungry or cranky, but you can't leave them, right? You can't leave your bag while you run and stand in line or things like that. And so I think I think the messaging is even going to be stronger. Let's um, put on your put on your uh, let's pull out the crystal ball. And where are you two years from now? Where are you five years from now as a company? <sighs> You know, mentally and physically, we're ready to 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 get, take this thing as long as we have to. Two five years, you know, we've got a five year plan. We're now in year two of that. Um, you know, twenty twenty kind of paused us as a business, but look, I think our goal is to be in a hundred airports um, in in the next five years. Uh, we're you know we'll be a third of the way there in year two uh, on track to do that. 
Um, and so that's that's where I think we'll be. I think in, in the interim between the 30 this summer and 100 next summer, uh, if someone were to call maybe a Grubhub, Overeats, DoorDash or Postmates and decides they want to be in the airport space, I could see uh, them maybe wanting this business from us. But our goal right now is head down, open airports, continue to deliver with distinction. Um, and that's where we are. But we, we, we're going to continue to grow this at, a, at the scale we're growing now. Um, do it planfully, um, get air, each airport profitable in six months and, and, and grow this bad boy. Outstanding. Listen, what a fortuitous meeting you and I had. I was keynoting the airport experience conference in Denver, Colorado, and you and I just met. You had me download the app and I learned about it. And, and I've thought in the months since not only how challenging that COVID was for the, uh, for the airport retailers and everybody in the travel industry, but I'm thinking there was one guy and his partners like, we're so ahead of everything. And I just love to see uh, your success. Talking to PJ Mastracchio, if people want to get a hold of you, learn more about what it is that you do, potential partnership opportunities. I know there's others that we are not at liberty to talk about with some, some really big players. And I think uh, more to come. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, PJ at, at your gate.com is the best way to reach me. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And I will, I get back to everybody. I love to meet new people, share ideas and hear new ideas. So if anybody wants to reach out, I'm hundred percent open to that. Good. And we're going to, and we'll throw stuff in the, in the show notes as well. Of course, we're on all the uh, podcast platforms and the video on YouTube and also on my website at davidavern.com. Uh, just remind everybody, my acclaimed customer experience book, why customers leave and how to win them back was named in Forbes is one of the top 10 business books of the year and one of the seven books entrepreneurs need to read. You can pick it up everywhere. As a matter of fact, here's the book here for those watching the video and it's out recently in Russian. I was gonna say, I don't know what this says, but I do know what it says because I wrote it. It's in Spanish. We launched a year ago in India as well. It's crazy how much this has resonated. It's ironic that I didn't list a pandemic as one of the reasons that customers leave because I wrote it just right before that. Um, also, the, uh, this podcast is sponsored in part by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. Listen, some of the best ideas, some of the best solutions to your biggest customer-facing challenges are likely found within the creative minds of your own team. Let me lead your weekly morning huddle conversation. You can learn more about membership in this powerful internal initiative by visiting customerexperienceadvantage.com. Uh, be, be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, you can leave your comments below and click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. And uh, also as you plan your events and your conferences, whether it's virtual or otherwise, I'd love to come and present for your group. You're meeting your conference, you can learn more about my in-person speaking or my live virtual speaking and consulting at davidaverin.com. Once again, big thanks to PJ Mistracchio. Thanks for tuning in to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, reminding you that a great customer experience is not really about creating wow moments. Business success today is about being an easy choice, a better choice, and being remarkably easy to do business with. I'm David Averin. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.